Good morning. We're welcome. We're glad you are here this morning. And uh, some of you, this will be last we see you before Christmas. But uh, uh, for those of you who want to be around, I hope you can join us Christmas Eve starting at 3 o'clock. 3, 4.30, 6, and 7.30 are our service times. And then next Sunday morning, we'll meet at 9.30 and 11 in the sanctuary next door. Bring your kids in their PJs or whatever, and uh, we'll have a good time being together. It'll be a great celebration on, on the Lord's Day when we celebrate the birth of Christ. We're here to love Him together. Take a moment to fill out a connection card, if you would, and uh, have that ready for the uh, plate this week. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, most of you know my mom went to be with the Lord uh, Tuesday, and I was glad to be with her when she died, and it was great to just uh, read scriptures to her and uh, pray with her. She was uh, well prepared for the Lord. Makes all the difference in the world. And um, we had her service on Friday. She had asked Justin to be the officiant. I try not to make that, take that personally, that she wanted him and not her. I or me, but uh, anyway, we, had, we did have a, a good time of uh, being grateful together, and uh, I am thankful that, uh, to know where she is, and uh, she's having the time of her life. The Apostle Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord, and I believe that completely. But we're here today. We remain, and uh, uh, we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death in many ways, and people we love, and I'm thankful for the Christian faith and the stability that we have that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. We're here because he is so good to us. He's, um, he's loved us with an everlasting love, and there's nothing like um, knowing, knowing where you are in Christ. So let's, with that, let's uh, pray, and we'll continue our worship. <clears throat> our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the life you have given us and the life that is yet to come. And today for me, Father, just this future hope that becomes a reality suddenly becomes even more precious and valuable. And I'm thankful, Father, you've, you've watched over my mom in life and death, and now you're watching over her. And I trust that will be true for all of us who uh, understand and, and welcome the gospel into our lives. It's such good news for us. So thank you for that today. Thank you for the, the, the value of the truth of God that we get to proclaim and believe in. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles to Luke 2 and Romans chapter 1. Luke 2 and Romans 1. It was about 10 or 11 years ago that England's Prince Harry uh, entered the military. He went to Sandhurst, England's most prestigious military college. And when he went, he went like everybody else. Um, he had to undergo the same regiment as anybody else, early morning wake-ups. And he had a little bed and a single sink and wardrobe. They referred to him as, as Cadet Wales. Um, uh, he had to shine his own shoes. He was allowed one family picture, even like everybody else, even though the halls were adorned by his grandmother, pictures of his grandmother, Queen Elizabeth II. For all practical purposes, he had left his, his lavish lifestyle and palatial living arrangements in London for this uh, very humble atmosphere to become one like everybody else. It's our story, isn't it? It's Jesus' story. It's his story of leaving where he was, the palatial uh, place with his father, to come live among us for a while. He was God in the flesh, and nothing's been the same. You know, of all the Christian holidays, this is the one the world wants a piece of more than all the others. They, 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 want, they want to celebrate this one, but not in the way that we do. Today, we're looking at the doctrine that is Christmas. 
and that is the incarnation, that is God becoming flesh. Now, the, the, the problem with the world is, is they want to extract all the principles of, Christian and, of, of Christmas and leave the person of Christmas out of the picture, which is a ridiculous thing. I mean, they want all the sentimentality of Christmas, all the nice stories told about Christmas, without acknowledging who Christmas really is. But it all collapses. If that baby in a manger was not God, it all falls apart. The founder of our faith is the ultimate reality. And if a person rejects him, that person loses ultimate reality and the opportunity to know God. The incarnation is the doctrine that gives us great joy. It's what gives us courage in life. It's what gives us the source, um, the power source for change in our lives. If he is not who he says he is, then nothing could be more of a joke than us being together today. You can't separate the principles of Christianity that seem so good from the person that Christianity is, the person that Christ is. Because when a person grasps the incarnation, it polarizes. That's what Christmas does. That's what Jesus does. He polarizes people. He even said that in his teaching. He said, I've not come to bring peace but division. And he divides people all the time because people rise and fall based upon his identity. And that's what Simeon told Mary and Joseph when they came to the temple a few days after Jesus was born. Luke 2, 34 and 35. It says, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to call the, cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And all, that, all that's perfectly logical. If you will look, well, you look at this baby, he will cause many to rise. And we have, that's why we're here today, and many to fall. We are here because we embrace it. We embrace the identity of who Jesus is. Now, many people you talk to in our culture or around the world, they squirm at this. They're very uneasy. They don't get it. They don't know why we would be so foolish to do this. They, 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 they think Christianity is a joke, not us. We're here, not because it's narrow, but because this is the most reasonable faith, because of the person that Jesus is. You can't take away the principles from the person. Here's what Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul, to the Roman believers at the beginning of his letter. He said, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, that's not a Christmas text, but that kind of teaching is woven throughout the pages of scripture, all about the incarnation, God becoming flesh. Son of God, son of David, all at the same time. These things we must understand about the doctrine of the incarnation. And when you do, Christmas is never the same. These four things. First of all, in coming, Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. Now, what is this teaching us? It's teaching us that Jesus has two natures. Paul says, according to the human nature... He's a descendant of David. 
But according to the spirit of holiness, he's the son of God. And do you notice the word there in verse 3? It says, he was appointed the son of God. Other translation says, he was declared to be the son of God. Well, what does that mean? Paul is saying, look, there were a lot of skeptics when Jesus was here. There are all those people fought against him. They somehow denied. They denied that he could be who he claimed he was. But they were silenced when Jesus came alive on the third day. And for centuries since that great resurrection, people have been trying to disprove our faith. And they cannot do it because the evidence is so overwhelming that he is exactly who he claimed to be. And so here we have Jesus, all God and all man. Now, we don't hold tightly to human creeds, but that doesn't mean they don't say things worth listening to. The Athanasian Creed says this, Our Lord Jesus Christ is perfect God and perfect man, not by conversion of the Godhead in the flesh, but by the taking up of the humanity into God. He was already the Son of God, and he became the Son of David. That was given to him when he came to earth. Now, why is this so important? That's the question. It's important because of the sin problem we all have. You know, what is sin? What's the essence of sin? It's not just breaking the law. Breaking the law is a result of the essence of sin. The essence of sin is taking God's place. And couldn't we all give a testimony about that? We've all wanted to be in charge of our own lives. We didn't create ourselves. We don't sustain ourselves today. We don't hold ourselves together. And therefore, we do not have the right to be our own masters and our own lords. Now, we try to do that. We break the rules by living life our own way. To be, or we work hard at keeping the rules so that we're, we obligate God to do things for us. In both cases, we're acting like our own masters and our own lords. I have a right to decide about my own body, our culture says. I have a right to do what I want to with my own life. Well, not according to God's truth. Uh, well, what, what is sensible is to humble ourselves before that one who gave us life and offers us salvation. How should a king respond to somebody like us, like me, who have tried to, to do my own life and still my, my, this sin nature rises up in me and I want to do things my own way without seeking God, without seeking his help, his counsel, his direction, his wisdom, because I don't want to know what he knows. How stupid of me to do that. And yet that is still my sin nature that I still fight against. That king of all kings should dismiss me. Instead, here is the essence of salvation. It is God taking our place, taking my place. The essence of sin is me taking God's place. The essence of salvation is God taking my place. He comes down. Why? Because he looks at our condition and he is so moved by our mess. He sees. He sees our sin. He sees how wretched we are. He sees our foolishness. Even in our morality, we fall so short as moral people. We're not always that moral. We don't always think everything purely. We don't always do what we're supposed to do. Nevertheless, God came down in Jesus to reach to us. Now, you see, every human being, every human being, even atheists, every person in the whole planet has a standard by which they live. Everybody. You take God out of the picture, every human being still has, a, has standards they live by. And, and what does that person do? Well, those standards are imposed on other people. And so that's how judgment of other people comes. When people aren't living in the way we think they should live, 
And, but we don't even live, we all owe. We don't even live up to our own standards. We're, we can't judge ourselves because we're too easy on ourselves. We give ourselves too many breaks, right? But we don't give people breaks, other people breaks who don't live up to our standards. You know, we're, we're extreme judges so often with other people. Deep down inside, we know, what if there were a, 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 like a, a microphone in your brain and in your heart, in my mouth, everything about my life? Sometimes with this thing on, I'll be in the hub talking to somebody, and then you say, That's not, that thing's not on, is it? You know? Of course not, so to speak. Um, so, uh, you know, because, because we think, oh, these words, you know? I don't know if I want people to know these words. You know, what, what, if everything were laid out for, before me at the end of every week, there would be things that are so, so still ungodly that God would not approve of in motivation, in intention, in thought, in action, in words that were not said in a helpful, encouraging way. I, I owe, I owe, I owe a great debt, and you do as well. We all do. And that's why God descends. Descend to us, we pray, the carol says. We want that because we're so needy. We're so needy. The, the essence of salvation is God taking our place. Praise God. Third, in coming, Jesus Christ lived our lives. It had to be that way. He had, there had to be a perfect sacrifice for us. And so in order for us not to rail against God, but he doesn't understand our plight. He became one of us. Now, this is hard to understand. That Jesus, in coming, God didn't just assume a body. I think that's somehow how we think theologically. That he's really God. He's just got flesh on. Well, he is all God. But he, was, he did more than assume a body. He... He, he, he actually was a human being. He had human psyche. He had a human nature. He wasn't just God with flesh on. Now, he was all God, but he was all man at the same time. Well, what's that mean? Well, he was like us in resources, for instance. Acts 10 tells us that Jesus did the things he did because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is different in, in your life and mine. Uh, Jesus Christ, uh, the picture is, he would go to the mountain to pray before his day began. Why? Because he was fully dependent on that relationship with God. When he was in the desert of temptation, remember that the evil one came to him and said, you're hungry, Why don't you, turn, you can turn these stones into bread if you want to. And what did Jesus do? We studied this over and over. He quoted scripture. That, that's, that, 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 that made him strong for the occasion. Nothing is different about us. He fought the evil one. He found power for living the way that we do, by the word of God that's truth and by prayer. And that same Holy Spirit that Jesus had came upon him in his baptism is the same spirit that comes within us the day we are immersed into Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Second, he was like us in feelings. He wasn't a man of steel, with, 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 with nerves of steel. The Bible says he sweat drops like blood before he faced the cross because the stress was so terribly intense. He was, he, was, he was perfectly human in a way that we are not. 
Because sometimes I can be inhuman. That is, I can say something undercutting and cruel, whether it's intentional or not, that basically is inhuman. Jesus wasn't like that. Um, Sometimes I can be calloused about a person's neediness. Jesus never is. Sometimes we can be hurt in a way that we really don't want to engage anybody else because that person that hurt us. And so we become inhuman and not caring about them. That's never Jesus. Even from the cross, what did he pray? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I don't think that would be me. He was like us in pain. He felt fear. He felt the spear in his side just like you and I would feel the spear. Or he felt the nails as we would feel the nails. He was, he was rejected as we've been rejected, yet more so because when we, when, when, when we recognize our sin, when we know the blackness of sin, nevertheless, when we don't know how we're going to go on, we have hope Because we trust in the possibility that God will accept us and forgive us. And we work through that. When Jesus went on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which was the time he was experiencing utter rejection by God because of the sin you committed and me was upon him. And utter darkness came across the earth for three hours, symbolizing how dark this time was for the Son of God. None of us here have ever known that same kind of rejection. Jesus lived our lives. And coming also, Jesus Christ died our death. Some of you remember, I don't know how many years ago it's been now, when uh, Mel Gibson produced The Passion of the Christ. I didn't really want to go see it, but so many of you said, what do you think? (laughs) So I went to tell you what I thought. I didn't want to go because I knew it was going to be gruesome. I mean, how could it not? It's, it's just so gut-wrenching to watch it. Um, um, and uh, when the film was released in Italy, um, it got a G rating. And there were parents that really objected there. And I don't know what it was rated here, probably PG, I suppose. But in Italy, it was G. And parents reacted because, because of the gruesome nature of the film. And I understand that. As a parent, I, I certainly would understand and agree with that. And there's an Italian author by the name of um, Riccardo Zicconi. He was being interviewed by USA Today about the film. And he said, you know, he just wasn't going to allow his children to see it. And again, I understand that. He said, I want them to see... Uh, the 30-year-old at that time, uh, the gospel according to St. Matthew. He said, the film's deep and you don't need to see a drop of blood. He said, for me, yeah, I think I'll go see The Passion of the Christ. And he said, I think I'll shut my eyes to preserve myself from seeing all that blood. And you see, that's often what people want to do. You know, there are some mainline denominations that have removed from their hymnals any music referring to blood. Anything refers to warfare because it seems ungodly and ungodlike. Often people want to separate the spirit of Jesus and have the spirit, the spirit of Jesus, the stuff of Jesus without accepting the incarnation. Or they, they'll, they'll claim the death without the pain or sacrifice without the blood. And the sacrifice of Jesus cannot be sanitized. 
Sacrifice is always bloody. That's the point. He did it because he understood the depth of our need and how, how, how problematic our lives are without a sacrifice. You know, if you, if, if you really blow it in your life, if, if you're struggling with an addiction, and let's say you've been clean for a while or you've been sober for a while, and then you fall and you go to a friend and you confess, you don't expect your best friend to say, you did what? Or you got to be kidding me. That, that's, not who you, that's not what you want, is it? You want somebody who will embrace you and love you back to health, right? No matter what it is that you've done or feel shameful about, you want somebody. And Jesus Christ is this wonderful counselor because he always embraces. He's always ready to listen. He's always ready to lift us up and to make us strong and to, and to love on us in a way that not even our, our finest friend is able to do. If you're still beating yourself up, if you're a Christ follower, and you're still beating yourself up about past sin, you've got to go deeper into Christmas. If you feel, still feel shameful about something that you can't believe God would ever forgive you for, you've got to get, you've got to get deeper, deeper into this season. Not just the baby in the manger, but the Christ on the cross. The incarnation. He did this because of his intense love so that you and I wouldn't have to continue in shame. That we wouldn't have to continue in being guilt-ridden. Because if you think that's the price you pay for that sin, then Jesus, it was pointless that Jesus died in your place. And in coming, Jesus Christ is the gospel. He is the gospel. Verse 3 says, I have been given as an apostle the proclamation of the gospel of God concerning his son. You see, the gospel, that word means good news. It was used in the classical world of Jesus' day to talk about an announcement or an edict from the emperor, the king, uh, about something good and positive to happen. It was whatever would make the headlines of the day could be God, God gospel. You can go to Barnes & Noble and you can now pick up business books that use the word gospel, uh, referring to business. You see, all other religions say this is the way to joy. This is the way to peace. Do this, this, and this and then you'll know a kind of peace. Do this, this, and this, and then you'll feel good about your life. That's, Confucius says that, Muhammad says that, Buddha says that. Not Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. The way is a person, not principles. Now, there are principles, there are rules, there is a life to live, but as a result of meeting the one who is the way, the gospel is a person. He says, it's me. That's why you can't suck the principles out of Christmas and think it's all going to stand. Now, I'm not saying don't watch Miracle on 34th Street or White Christmas, you know, or whatever. You know, those are fun movies. It's a wonderful life. 
Well, you know, it goes on and on. Some of you have those traditions every year. You probably watch a certain movie every year because you'll fine, enjoy it. You know, we love all that about Christmas. The sad part comes when people want only that and take Jesus out of it, the person who is Christmas. You can't separate them. You can't separate them. I tell you, it's the incarnation that gives you joy. It's the incarnation that gives you confidence. It's the incarnation that gives you power to change. It's the incarnation that enables you to pray with your mom on her dying bed because you know it's coming for her. It's the incarnation that keeps you there the moment she takes the last breath to be thankful to a God that she knew. It makes all the difference in the world. That's why... That's why I love preaching this today. Because, because of the incarnation, I know where my mom is. Because of the incarnation, I know I'm going to see her again. Because of the incarnation, nothing is the same. We're here today, I trust. I trust it's true of all of us, maybe not all of us. I trust we're here today because we believe that God became flesh. And he came to live in us for a while to be the way, the living way. This doctrine will continue to divide people. If he is who he says he is, which we believe he is, then how can we not but fall before him and say, God, your will, not mine. Whatever you want from me, that's who I want to be. You be my Lord and my master. I am not qualified to be my own Lord and master. Thank you for taking my place. That's the way I want to live. Not every, most of the world will not choose that. They will be threatened by his identity. They will think it's too dangerous to give up your life. But that's the point. This child was born to cause the rising or the falling for many. I trust all of us here today are counted among those who are rising because of him. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this truth of truths. And Father, even as I proclaim it, I have a hard time grasping it. But I thank you, Father, for the joy of walking and living by faith, to experience your joy and your confidence, to experience change because of your power. And I pray, Father, none of us will stop in that process of growth. Please do not be done with us. Take us on to fullness, Father, until the day we see you face to face. To God be the glory, in Jesus' name.